Right's Ricky Sanchez podcast is proudly presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, download the app, use promo code RTRS, and brought to you by By Nature Pet Foods, slow cooked with Super Fusion. Get 20% off your first By Nature order at Chewy. Use promo code RTRS20. Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process, right there processrealtor.com and LL Pavorsky Jewelers where right Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged oh and by kinetic skateboarding get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver on the show today oh boy are we back feels like we've done this podcast a thousand times it's like a like a comfortable old shoe uh, winnable game against a team missing two of their best players and the Sixers look like they really just had no interest in being there. Uh, we All the old hits on this Greatest Hits album, like, what is Horford doing out there? Why isn't Simmons shooting? Who is that guy playing backup point guard and why is he playing so much? And featuring the new smash hit, two starters fighting with each other on the sideline. Really excited to get to it. Plus, uh, we got some new merch at a new place, a brand new mask. Uh, that will be sold by a, a local Philadelphia business, and it's fucking really comfortable and really nice. Uh, the company is called Buddha Babe, and we will have the uh, the owner Tina on later to talk about it. It's a super great mask, and Abby designed it because uh, we're going to be ma- wearing masks for a while. So uh, we figured we should do another one. And also sign up for the newsletter, Corner Three newsletter. You'll get ten percent off our T-shirt merch store. Uh, the uh, the 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 promo code updates every two weeks. Go to uh, writestreakysanchez.com newsletter plus you get the thoughts of one zoe every newsletter lots of words from zoe zoe is not half-assing it i'll tell you that he's great without any further ado amos and the chef Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is glad that even though the Sixers lost, the Ricky bump gave us 41, 21, and 4 last night. That is Mike Levin. God damn it. Yeah, here this we are. Team, man, I, it's we every did time. It again. We yeah. did it again. They do it every time. Yep, every time. It's so... I wasn't... Okay. Was I, <laughs> I, watching the game, because yeah. it was the, you know, it was the first time we've had a real game with stakes in uh-huh. really any sport. I felt it with the three Phillies games we got. Yeah. But the real game, and again, I guess there weren't a ton of stakes here because I kind of do want them to get the sixth seed, mm-hmm. and I do want them, the Oklahoma City pick, to convey. But. But. Yeah. Uh, man, just all of it, all of it, all at once. Um it's just everything. There's every every fucking fear in yep. what the the coach who won't make the change and then makes the change too early. The 
the fucking the 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 point or Ben like it, everything was there like grumpy Joel like yeah I would say that it wasn't we didn't have like out of shape Joel no no that's we had storyline that we yeah. saved yes and that's yeah. because of us you're welcome yeah <laughs> um, we got to get everyone on the pod everybody like, all at once yeah um just they just keep they just keep doing this man I obviously the team is poorly assembled obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, Shake um, entering the starting lineup is ult- long-term helpful. Although he couldn't have looked worse and more uh, confused and shook, and then kind of yeah. pout- pouty the rest of well, the game. I mean, the the context is to save the season. They put in a guy who was a second-round pick who hasn't played well aside from the ten games he played before this. I mean, like that's the context on Shake Milton is that he shouldn't be ready for to be really good every game. He did look terrible. Yeah, he, but I, I think there were like three, it was like three plays where he looked bad, and then they called like a shit ton of fouls on him, and then Joel screams at him during the game. Shake turns around <laughs> to answer or ask what he was saying, and then TJ picks his pocket. Um, McConnell. And, yeah. and then a couple other things, and it's like, look, Shake, Shake's got to be more, uh, you know, the pressure of and responsibility of being the starting point guard. And being the, uh, you know, being a starter in your second year after being a second round pick, it's it's a lot, and I, and I empathize. Um, but he's got to be the steady hand. He's got to be able to like hang, like, chill with that. And Embiid, like, look, even if he wasn't, even if he wasn't wrong, a lot of it, even though Embiid, one of Embiid's passes was just bad, and that's why it got picked off. Um, Embiid, he's the, supposed to be the leader of this team. He's not supposed to say, "I'm going to slap the shit out of you." To your basically rookie point guard during the game, I think everybody lost their cool. I was kind of excited to see Shake show a little fire, but yeah, not. he he was not going to take it from Embiid. Yeah, well, there's, the, there, there's just something. I mean, these guys have been living with each other for, for I don't know a month now or something, and so we don't know we don't know like what's you know they're friends. We know they're friends. They're rep by the same place. They like. Have each other's back, but like, what if something happened? You know, some just like build up or whatever. We don't know, and, well, and it just came out all at once, and it was just. Uh, I, 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 I think I, I think I think Embiid is the player most likely to get frustrated because of the last couple of years, because of the players he liked going away, because of the the and anyone who doesn't want to say that Ben not shooting isn't frustrating him is fucking blind uh um, and i think he's just probably on edge especially because he worked so hard and like look the fact that they were jawing at each other that happens all the time i mean yeah. like the, the, there were two guys on the pacers too that were uh miles turner was yelling at somebody i forget who it was but right. um it, it happens but uh, i think what's interesting is when you go back and look at it's really like a five-minute period that the shake and Embiid thing sort of developed. Yeah. Uh, first, Embiid gets his pocket pick. Or first, Embiid gets the inbound pass stolen to Shake. Like that, there was one, and then then there was a a pick and roll where Shake throws sort of a lazy pass to Embiid. It gets away from Embiid, and Embiid ends up getting fouled on it, but it saves it. Then. It, uh, and Bede comes up the court. I don't know if you remember this. Dribbles the ball up to the front court himself, and then has, shoots a pull up three like he's Kevin Durant. Right. That was that was a two for one opportunity. Yeah, but but like still, it felt it felt to me like he's like fuck it. Totally. And then there's the and then there's the final 
shake yelling like barking in a bead and then it getting picked off and then them and i think Embiid said something under his breath and then shake yelled at him and then there was the i'll what did he say i'll slap the shit out of you yeah it's all there man it's yeah. all there matisse holding shake back that at yeah. least was nice to see uh god damn it come on why does this have to have the first was it the first quarter even was it the first quarter of the first game back or is it the second quarter? I, don't I know. think it was it the all, second quarter. It all blended together. Because the the frustrating thing is that man, for those first three and a half minutes, Look they great. looked great. They were huge physical. They got yep. Miles Turner in foul trouble right away. Uh, everybody's taking a turn. I was yep. like, this is it. We're back. <laughs> we're back. And then we really were back. Then the the actual stuff that we're back. I think the frustrating thing for for Shake, and this is maybe like I recognize this like part of what Shake was doing. I recognize like in myself the idea of being like getting very heated about something in the moment and mm -hmm. then kind of not being able to move on from it. The whole yep. game, he's like, you can see him just kind of standing in the corner, not really engaged. Well, and uh, then he like got foul, got some ticky-tack fouls on him, like four straight ticky-tack fouls that allowed him to just come in and out all at once. And it was just... It, it actually sort of, it sort of reminded me, like we've argued on the podcast before and then like you have to do the rest of the podcast with like this anger, sure. like, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, he's a human. I, yeah. I, I can't be, I, there's so many things. All right. So I have a, I have a list of things. I have, I have Ben, Horford, uh, Tobias was good. Um, there's Brett we have to talk about. Yeah. I think starting with the shake and beat thing was the right thing. I'm not so worried that they yelled at each other. I think they'll probably be fine. It's not great to happen in the first game, especially I would say with two guys who don't have a long history. I would rather right. they have a long history because then it's easier to get over. Sure. No, it seems so. like things are with Ben and Joel are good though. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 get a little sunny for a half a second. I do. Yeah. Sh sh let's just to close the book on shake for a sec. Like. I think Brett handled that as best as he could. He took him out for a little while to like keep him from imploding and then had to keep taking him out because he got in foul trouble. Yeah. It's he didn't shake didn't take his first shot until like the third or fourth quarter. Um it it was just weird. Everything about it was weird. Um and he's he he played bad defense also. I know that's not the primary thing, but he has to use his length better in defense. He can't just let let some guy like even TJ McConnell, he can't let him just like get into his chest and then yep. not be able to recover. He's too on his heels too much. So, Well, he's been a pretty uneven defender, sometimes actually pretty bad this year. Sometimes bad, sometimes good. He's yeah. uneven, I think, is as a, a As a base, basically a rookie, you expect it. But, you know, the expectations are way higher now. And he is long, and he shouldn't be letting, you know, if he has to, get, if he has to switch on to TJ Warren or Malcolm Brogdon or somebody like that, then it's like, okay, you get it. But, like, you got to be able to cover your man if you're covering basically the fourth or fifth option on the other team yeah i i'm i'm interested to see how that evolves like yeah. i'm i'm now more interested to see how he plays in the um in the second game i uh, th totally. this this was i don't think they're winning the championship this year right like so so th this is one of those things this is one of those times where th there's like a confluence of different motivations from different people all at one time. Like Brett Brown, like his job is on the line to an extent. I, whether you believe it is or not, I, I believe it is, and I believe that he believes it is. Totally. I think I think Brett, um, you know, Brett has done a lot with a 
lot of young players, but then recently has, you know, the last couple of years, last few years has had a shorter leash with young players. Like yeah. I, I think this, this stuff is really valuable for Shake Milton. So the, the more you can let him fight through it, the better. But then on the other hand, like, you know, this is just, there's a lot of things going on at one time and a lot of motivations from one thing. And I, you know, we want, I would rather just see Shake fail than, you know, fail with Howell Neto or something like that in a, in a crunch time situation. They didn't really have that opportunity last night. I think Shake sort of forced their hand yeah. more than people want to give the, the, uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. I, there's just a lot of things going on at once right now, and it's going to be hard to balance all of them. Totally. It's, yeah. It was weird. I think, look, the, the team is poorly assembled across, uh, almost across the board, almost throughout Ben and Joel's time here. They have not either. It was a bunch of mostly clueless defenders or a bunch of guys who can't really shoot. And now just a bunch of guys who play the same position. And so they, it's just, it just <laughs> hasn't been good. And so you, you, you empathize with obviously Ben and Joe and a little bit with Brett, but you look around and it's like coaches make it work, you know, and Brett has not made it work. He has not made it work in with it really any, in any, you know, in any department of this team, I can't look to Brett and say like, he saved this. Like he's been great in that. Like that's why the reason they're good is because of Brett's letting this happen and, and sort of orchestrating that. Um, I, I, I just think that I know it's one game and we should keep that in mind, but it's also only eight games before the playoffs. So right. every game basically well, it, it, counts as 10 games. Yeah, um, it's it's not just one game. It's the whole season and this game. Exactly. You know, this isn't the first time we've talked about this, but I, I'm, I mean, if if Brett's job's on the line, uh, and they fail, I'm I'm 100% not going to be the guy, like, banging on the fence, trying to keep, to keep him to keep his job because he just he just hasn't. He, I you know I love Brett absolutely. Uh, I love what he's done for us here long term, but we are at a different. The whole thing was, let's give Brett a chance to show that he's a good coach, right? It was like he brought us through the process. Uh, he kept tensions mostly lowish. Uh, he bore the brunt of a lot of the public relations bullshit mm -hmm. yep. uh, with this team and, and, and had to eat a lot of crow for, for this organization. And so I was like, okay, let's take it. Let's see what he's got. Let's give him some rope. And year three of, let's see if Brett's legit. And it's just like, I, I just have not seen nearly enough i think there's a little bit with brett like i always say like when i uh, i'm sure i've made this comparison before brett coaching this team is sort of like when i lose my keys and i can't find them and i'm looking at the same places like over and over again and i, I just like i can't find the keys because i'm so frustrated with all the changes and where they could be and all these things and it mixes up my head and sometimes you just need somebody i'll go val i can't find my keys and she'll go they're right here like sitting on the the coffee table like that's exactly where you left them and i think sometimes when you stare at the same thing for so long you know trying to fix this problem i think like you just stop you lose perspective and i i think like he may have just it's that been here too long, you know, like I, I just, I think if you brought a fresh Brett in and said, here are your pieces, yeah, make this work, 
he, he would have a lot better chance than the Brett who's been here for seven years. Yeah, maybe. To a certain extent. Maybe. Um, they, just, they just do this thing where, like, it, it really, the thing that, uh, obviously the turnovers are frustrating. Like, at 14 in the first half is mostly sloppy. But it comes from a place of, like, every single pass to get into their set was a chore. You know, like, right. Right. Yeah. Ben is having to, you know, shake or whoever is bringing the ball up. And then it's like, okay, the, the play dictates that I give the ball to Ben at the elbow. But they're denying the ball to Ben, and so now Ben has to get it, like, 27 feet away from the basket, and it takes them out of their set. And, like, it seems like they're just uh, making a really small, easy pass that's not, like, not mm -hmm. even an inlet to the post. It's just a, like, an entry pass is impossible for them for many other reasons. But even just the first pass of, like, get the ball moving to, like, the other side of, of the perimeter, and it seems... Everything's like, hard. Everything's hard. They're just, they're, they're so maybe, I don't know, set in their ways. They, sh they should be using the team, the Pacers' aggressiveness to then, like, go back door. Like, if they're denying so far in that direction, then there should be the other direction. And they're just not, is there. The one thing I'll say is that they, the only thing that they were successful against, although the offense wasn't really bad, in spite of the turnovers and all that stuff, they still scored because they, like, Embiid did so good on the offensive glass and eventually decided that Jakar Sampson was not going to be able to cover him. Um, they did beat the zone very well. Um, and as far as one of the long-term storylines of this team is that they've been totally clueless against the zone, and it seemed like they were very calm and relaxed and kept getting corner threes uh, from the zone, whether it was like Burks or Horford. They, they kept getting those, so at least I'm, I'm trying to find a couple sunshine uh, guys here. We'll, we'll talk about Ben and Tobias right after we talk about our sponsor, Adam Kasabi. The official realtor of the process, processrealtor.com. Uh, Mike, I have successfully refinanced my house through Adam Kasabi. Wow. Uh, his guy, yeah. The or his it's a team. It's two it's Paul and Jillian. But they uh I I lowered my rate. My I like my rate, my uh my the mortgage rate I had in my house was three point six five and I refinanced at two point seven five, which means over the like the life of my loan I'll save like forty grand. Um Kasabi is about to close on Delaware Beach House number two to a Ricky listener. He also believes he has what he is calling the golden goose, somebody who will buy a Ricky house who every, has everything but Cornblow on the, 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 the Ricky sponsor list. Like everything, but he has not been injured yet. Um, helped uh, a Ricky listener named Matt from North Jersey find a home. Even though Adam can't sell you the home in North Jersey, he'll find a connection up there for you. Helped uh, Ricky listener named Jason find a home in Chesapeake, Maryland. Um, look, Adam specializes in the Delaware beaches. I've said before, it's a great, if you can afford it, it's a great time to buy a home because mortgage rates are so low. Delaware is the place to buy the beach house because the uh, property taxes are so low. Talking about like $1,000 a year, whether it's Rehoboth or Lewis or Bethany or uh, Dewey or something like that, that is the place to get it. What you do is you end up renting it out most of the summer. It pays your mortgage for the whole year and you own the house. You have a vacation house and you have property that you'll own. He's your guy. You want a guy you can trust. He's been able to help a ton of Ricky listeners, both with refinancing, homes in the Delaware beaches, but homes elsewhere. He can help you. He's your dude. Um, call or text him, 302-864-8643. I've actually used Adam to re gave me his guy to refinance his house, saving a ton of money. 302-864-8643 or email adam at processrealtor.com. Adam Kasebe, K-S-E-B-E, -E, the official realtor of the process. All right.
I want to talk about Ben. Um, I got an email. Um, this came from Ben is goat for 2069 real email. My Lord, you're an absolute clown. What did Ben do to you? I'm swear you're, you're happy. TJ Warren had a 50 burger last night. Ben is an all world defender. It really isn't up for debate. If Warren dropping 52 is evidence that Ben isn't an amazing defender, then I guess Rocco can't be called a great defender because he was on the court for 35 minutes when D'Angelo Russell, who you claim stinks, scored 52 against the Wolves in November. You disingenuous hack. Uh, We're back. Uh, Look, man. I've said this a million times. If Ben Simmons, if these guys, both Embiid, because you were talking about his leadership with Shake. And Ben want to win a championship and do whatever it takes to win. You cannot. We already talked about Joel, so we're even here. You cannot, if you're Ben, one, go three games without shooting a fucking three pointer. It is basketball. And we know for them to succeed, he's going to have to shoot the fucking ball. And he hasn't shot one in three games. And Embiid was back this time. And he knowingly didn't do the one thing that everybody does in basketball. And the other thing, when TJ Warren is lighting you the fuck up, somebody's got to take that personally. And I don't want to hear anything about fucking Brett. I don't want to hear about, should have had Matisse Thibel in the game, because I'll tell you what, like TJ Warren is a big dude and he's going to muscle Matisse Thibel. And I, you can't have a rookie be your defensive one-on-one savior. And it's like Matisse is like sort of on and off as an all on ball defender at this point. If you are Ben Simmons, you have to take some fucking pride in the fact that that is not James Harden. It's TJ Warren. And you, he was on him. He was nine of 10 when Ben Simmons was guarding him. He fell asleep on him a bunch of times off ball and even on ball. He like, he gave him too much space. He, he let him be too comfortable. Like fucking get out there and win. Like get out there and shoot a fucking couple of three pointers. So the center who is the best player on the team feels like you're in it with him. And when a guy, a small forward is lighting you up, take it personally, do something about it. Act like you fucking care. I just like, I'm just so sick of the excuses that are made for this guy. Well, he wasn't really in position. He was never really open for a three. Or or Brett should have done something in doubling T.J. Warren. Doubling T.J. Warren? What are we talking about? He's not James Harden. He's not Michael Jordan. He's not Steph Curry. You should be able to put one guy on him and, and let that guy do it. I'm just sick of this. It just It can't be every other game. It just can't. If you want to be one of the best players on the team, it can't be every other game. It can't be when you feel like it. It can't be when you're comfortable. It just has to be all the time. And that was an unacceptable performance. For 19, 13, and 4, or whatever the fuck he had, visually that was an, an unacceptable performance to me. Yeah, easily the worst defensive game I've ever seen Ben play. Uh, really not close. Um, yeah. He, you know, he usually he bothers smaller guys by being by able to like sort of swallow them up and being like just able to keep up with them laterally um, mm-hmm. bigger guys who uh like are not scared of his physicality and TJ Warren is not fast so he kind of just like didn't need to try to blow by him at all he just kept giving him too much space um, yes. and felt and fell asleep off ball so much 
And that last play, man, that last play when uh, when Matisse, Matisse was covering uh, Warren, and Matisse only covered him a couple times and did a pretty good job of at least like recovering, recovering and affecting the shot. Um, and uh, and Ben helps out onto Aaron Holiday off of onto Matisse at that point helps off of T.J. Warren. That was just that was an inexplicable decision and and uh, not something you see from from Ben often. I'm. His effort defensively this season and even last season has been extremely high. So I put sometimes mm-hmm. guys just go off and and like absolutely he needed to do a better job. But sometimes guys just go off and they always go off against the Sixers. Uh, T.J. Warren has gone off against the Sixers before, um, so that you know it happens. Guys go off, but as far as the shooting goes, like yeah, man, like he took two shots in a preseason game, kind of and. Uh, I, and they look fine, by the way. Totally, they look good. They totally look fine, but it's just they look good. I think the like he, is he spacing the floor right now? Is he doing more than just sort of wandering in the in the paint when he doesn't have the ball? Yeah, he's spacing the floor, but he's got to be able to shoot it when he gets there. Otherwise, just like go go try to get offensive rebounds. But he's got to be able to shoot it. And as soon as Brett said paradigm shift, just like he did last time, uh, it it shut down again. So there's clearly mental stuff there. I'm not you know he saw he, there's reports that he saw. Uh, sports psychologist about it it's you know what do you say about that aside from like they need him to shoot he's a good shooter or good enough when the ball is swung to him he's got to be able to shoot that um and yeah i just i i I don't know the early in the game like there there were a couple he he didn't play poorly like you said like across the board like he got offensive rebounds he when he He was good in transition when good in transition when he worked from the elbow i really get excited about that like yeah. Him operating from the elbow because then it's one dribble he's by somebody rather than if he's operating from twenty five feet away they're not covering them, him there anyway gives them gives the defenders more time to recover right and it it's better than the post as well the elbows because exactly. he's not really a good post player he's actually no. kind of like a bad post player so yeah. that elbow gives him everything yeah let him turn around face up from the elbow where he can be a passer and also a one dribble get to the basket guy because um, guys just can't keep up with him that much. Um, yeah, I don't know. The thing that concerns me is that he, once the thing, once the game started going south, um, he abandoned the like power forward role pretty quickly. Yep. You know, he started taking the ball and he started taking the ball it. up, and yeah. also just kind of yeah. like not doing. I mean, I don't know if this is this is Brett or Ben or whatever, not doing like let's see him screen and roll and like that. I just don't. They called him for a couple moving screens. I I, I don't know. It was it was a it was a classic bad bad Ben game. The defense was inexplicable, and sometimes guys go off, and you just can't get, wrap your head around it. But um, the offense was like some good moments, some good stuff, but then still not enough, and some sloppiness and stuff. The thing that look Ben needs to be better if they're gonna win the championship or get any fur- further than the first round. Like he absolutely needs to be better, and I believe that he will. Uh, I don't know that he'll shoot still. It was always. Somewhat unlikely to me that this would just happen. All of a sudden, he would just become this guy. Um, right again, buddy. You're right again. <laughs> well, we, we go back and forth between being right about the most obvious things in the world. Uh, <laughs> this team is who they have been and say they have been. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm not concerned with Ben long term or big picture or anything aside from the, the shooting, which, is, which has always been pretty clear. So uh, I believe that he'll come back in the next game. And you know, lock up Dejounte Murray or Demar Derozan or something, and we'll feel good about his defense again. But 
the other stuff, I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they, they gave just, up. There's just not a lot of time. Yeah, you know what not, I mean? Like any time, right? They gave yeah. up 46 points in the fourth quarter to the fucking Pacers without like their two best players, arguably. And that's, I mean, they they think they're the better team. Every every single game they go into, they think they're the better team, and that's cool. You want you want that, but then they go up big and then take their foot off the gas, and when the other team is you know aggressive and works on defense and, and scrappy and a guy gets hot, all of a sudden they're just down big and they still think like, well, we'll get back in this because we are who we are. And Joel played hard and like went after, you know, went after, he contested a bunch of threes, he was blocking stuff inside, he got every rebound. Like, he, the one fadeaway over, over Jakar was inexplicable that he yeah. took a 19-foot fadeaway uh, with Jakar on him. But He was feeling that, himself a little bit. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, but yeah, aside yeah. from that, like... He always works Miles Turner. Um, yeah, I was impressed by a few of his passes. He had one to Ben, one to one to uh, Tobias or Al. Um, I wasn't. It what Joel and Ben didn't play their their best game. Joel in defense was weird, and Ben Ben on everybody. But they need to be obviously better. And so it was just a weird game all around. We got to talk about Josh Richardson, who clearly has lost well, one, lost the one threat. quick. Before you get to Josh Richardson, I just want to say there's a lot of people complaining about how much Brett played Neto. I, w- with shake and foul trouble, there, there's there's not a lot of options. I think and people, he was people fine. Burks probably, but Burks had like four straight horrendous turnovers. Yeah, like, well, Burks is stinks. Uh, Neto is the exact kind of point guard that you play with Ben, in that he's not shooty. He's solid. If he's like I, I look, I, I there's no backup point guard on the team. Aside from Neto, like that's really. Yeah, anyway. I don't. I don't mind Neto. I think he sort of stabilized the group. He didn't do like much, if anything, positive, but he didn't do anything negative either. I thought right. Burks. Burks's jumper looked really good and seemed to be like feeling feeling good about himself and getting to the rim at, at times and all that uh, in preseason. But it, like three straight possessions, he had really bad, inexplicable turnovers, and that just can't happen. That just like right. it just can't. Um, but I like the idea of Alec Burks as like a if he's willing to be as quick trigger with off the catch as he was last night, then that's a playable player. But because I like I like the optionality of him getting to the rim. I think realistically, as far as like who do you trust to get to the rim or get to the line on any given time that Joel's not on the court, it's like Burks or Tobias really. Because um, I don't. <laughs> we got to talk about Josh. Yeah. I I don't know. He- where he was been. fucking terrible. He was awful. I mean, what a <laughs> gift it was for Josh that like all this other shit happened. Yeah, that people aren't going to talk about him. But oh my god, he might. I think I think he was the worst player on the court last night. He was bad. I mean, I <sighs> Horford was bad, but Josh was way worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he I, just doesn't know. I mean, we went from let's try him as the backup point guard that didn't work to like what are we trying him as anything? He's so a, he's. He, I'm sorry, he is this weird thing where, like, the best thing he can do is have the ball, but it's not good when he has the ball. Right. And he's not good off the ball because he can't really shoot. He, honestly, his best role is a third guard and just tell him to go out and be um, insane on defense for 20 minutes. Uh, he was terrible. He was, he was not good. Yeah. Yeah, there was. I mean, I he always does get one like sneaky good bucket off an inbounds cut, and so I appreciate that as a guy who always likes a cut. Um, and I liked how aggressive he was trapping at the end. I think he was he did force one of the turnovers that they got at the end that kept it close. 
Um, but man, like the, some of the decisions he's making with the ball in his hands, with where to be on the court, anything like it, <laughs> it was really, really bad, really bad. Um, to the point where like I would uh-uh. take him off the starting lineup. Like I, I know that that's for who I put Ferk in there. Maybe Corkmaz was also pretty bad last night. Yeah, he um, was, but at least he can shoot off ball. Yeah, I, like, it seemed like Corkmaz's defense regressed to where it was before this season. Um, he's just always on his heels. It's so easy to get Corkmaz on his heels and just for people to rise up and stuff. Um, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Um, there's a lot of like C options that sometimes look like Bs, but a lot of times, like last night, look like Ds. And like, man, that's I some of the stuff Josh was doing. I I I'm, I can't believe it took this long in the podcast to get to it. But holy <laughs> shit, like not good. Some, something's got to change. Uh, we take a break from the pod to talk about our sponsor, By Nature Pet Food. Rebels of By Nature, Good Boy Club member, slow cooked, super fusion. We had some new uh, new Good Boy and Good Girl Club members. Uh, we had Biscuit. Good Girl Club member from from Oklahoma. Quinn, Good Boy Club member right here, Delaware Valley. And then uh, Arrow and Abby, Good Boy and Good Girl Club members. Just uh, if you buy the by nature, send me a picture. Write to RickySanchez at gmail.com or tweet it at me. Put them in the Good Boy or Girl Club. Uh, By nature is high quality pet food that is high quality. What does that mean, right? Well, they they slow cook it. Why is that important? It's important because your pet, your dog or your cat, uh, has very little time to get the nutrients out of food. They they process food in like less than an hour, whereas we take three or four hours. Humans take three or four hours. So what slow cooking does is it keeps the food nutrient rich, so they can get more of it out of there. Also, uh, high quality proteins, and the protein is the first item in the ingredients. Look at the ingredients in the back of By Nature. The first item is salmon or it's chicken or something like that. That's important because that means that's where most of their proteins are coming from. They're not coming from legumes. They're not coming from, uh, you know, rice. They're not coming from any of the other stuff they put in there. Um, slow cooking helps coat support. It helps brain and hip and joint health, uh, skin support, and well, as well as By Nature has super fusion. Okay, what is that? Premium ingredients like apple cider vinegar, spinach, blueberries, ginger, coconut oil. It's so good. This pet food is so good. You don't have to worry about indoor cat, outdoor cat. You don't have to worry about big dog, small dog. It's all good for all pets. They've been around 40 years, family operated, been around 40 years, no recalls. None. Zero recalls. I don't like that's fucking crazy. Um, it is a it is good for your pet, like we've said with Big Barker before. It's good for your pet. Oh, by the way, I stopped over Brandywine uh, SPCA um, uh, by nature donated like thousands of pounds of food for their. Um, they give food to people who don't have enough money for pet food for their pets right now. They donate recently donated thousands of pounds of food. I stopped over and saw this dog Smokey. Doesn't really like guys. Nervous around guys. I get it. I made him like me. Took me about forty five minutes. Made him like me. Give me a kiss. That's what I'm saying over Brittany Wine. Uh, but um, by nature, pet food, legit. Go to Chewy.com, use code RTRS20, and get 20% off your first by nature pet food purchase. Chewy.com, 
promo code RTRS20, 20% off your first by nature purchase. Um, and then send me, oh, hi, Tina. Tina's there. We'll get to you in one second. One second, just talking about pet food. Talking about pet food right now. Uh, very important. Um, uh, uh, by nature, pet food, uh, a sponsor of the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. Back to the Ricky. Okay, better news than the Sixers play last night is the fact that we're making masks again. Uh, we are not actually making the masks. Mike no, and I are not making the masks because we don't know how to make anything nope. uh, except for this stupid podcast. That's right. So uh, I welcome. Uh, hi, Tina. How are you? Hi. How are you guys? Uh, I'm good. So, uh, Mike, you're well as well? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tina Dixon-Spence, who owns a Buddha Babe. Now, I want to give a short sort of like uh, recap of how I found you and how I found Buddha Babe. Sure. So I think it was March or April. It was probably March. And I was in line at the... Um, post office on walnut or chestnut i think it was chestnut and i was looking at my phone as people do and there was a story in the inquirer about uh buddha babe about how you had shifted now buddha babe makes basically children's pajamas baby pajamas little kid pajamas whatever and you had shifted to um making masks to sort of stick around during the pandemic and i clicked on the link and uh, I saw this mask. It was a mask with Biggie on it. Even though I'm a Tupac guy, it was this mask with Biggie on it. And I'm like, this seems like a good thing to order. And I order it. A few weeks later, here comes this mask. And it's the most comfortable one I have. Um, it's like soft. It's comfortable around your ears. It doesn't press against your face. And, uh, and then when we decided, when it looked like the mask thing was going to continue, I sent an email and I'm like, hey, do you want to make our masks? And then here we are. Here we are. So I. So the first question is, can you tell us a little bit about Buddha Babe, when it started, why you started it, and, uh, and, and how we got to how we are right now? Sure. So Buddha Babe came about in about February of 2014. I had a four-month-old with a drooling problem. And I also had a fashion problem in that I couldn't find any bibs that matched his outfits. Um, or even that I was into, everything was like baby blue and yellow and trucks and trains. And I was like, that's not my kid. Um, he didn't have his own style, but you know, he had his own style adopted through me. And I was looking for geometrics and all black everything. And I just couldn't find it, but I needed to do something to control his drool. And <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of research, a lot of, you know, bogus Etsy purchases later, I finally found a design that I liked, but the fabric just wasn't really supporting my needs. Like they looked cute, but they weren't absorbent. So I just kind of went down this rabbit hole of researching all different types of textiles, what types of fabrics are more absorbent, what's antimicrobial, because he was also getting a rash. And before I knew it, I was calling my grandmother saying, hey, can you take me to the fabric store? I want to buy a sewing machine and can you teach me how to sew? She was like, I'll go to the store with you, but I don't know how to sew. I had never shown a button. My dry cleaner on the corner handled all of my alterations my whole life. So it was quite the project to go and pick out a machine and pick out some fabric. And then I literally YouTubed my way into business. I learned how to sew by watching YouTube. And about four months later, I had built a website and started taking orders. 
haven't looked back since. And we went from making bibs to now making 19 different products, including masks. Wow. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Being like an 18 year old and just picking up a basketball for the first time. And all of a sudden, like now you're on the Sixers. Right. Yeah. And like with the masks, you're, do you feel like a sense of responsibility in the sense of like you're doing good in the world and like saving people's lives? So when we decided to shift to masks, I was absolutely dead set against it. It was very, very early on and it was advice from my mother and I never listened to my mother. (laughs) Right. So literally like anything she tells me that I should be doing goes in one ear and out the other. Um, but it wasn't until I was talking in a group chat with some friends and we were starting to talk about all of the different like masks that were, we were seeing all over the internet. And I was like, do I need to be making masks? And at the same time, my conversation was like, oh my God, nobody's bought a thing in three weeks. Like, is my business going to survive this pandemic? So my friends all gave it the green light. Like, yeah, you should totally be making masks. But you can't make them out of cheesy fabric. They have to; it has to stay within your core brand's aesthetic. So I said, "Well, I've got all this fabric. Let's just go ahead and pivot and make some masks. See if people like it." I did this like Facebook friends and family pitch. Got like a ton of orders through that. I decided from the beginning, if I'm gonna do it, it has to have a social responsibility component. So we just decided to do a one for one match. So for every mask that someone bought, I donated one. And I let my son pick where the donations were going to go to. So he, he chose CHAP because um, he was doing some outpatient uh, treatments there for several weeks. And he noticed that there's always kids on the elevators at the Burger Center, coughing, sneezing, not covering their mouths. So he's like, yeah, well, let's just give the, you know, give extra masks to the families at CHOP. So in case they don't have a mask for their kids, they can just get one for free. Really so I, I feel like I'm doing a good, I'm doing a good job raising him. So, uh, (laughs) just kind of, I mean, to date we've done, I don't even want to tell you the number of masks that we've sold. And that's great because then when I see when the, when the city posts that 75% of our residents and visitors are complying with the mask mandate, I'm like, I'm doing my part in making it easy for people to stay safe, to stay compliant but also be comfortable and fashionable. Like there's a lot of masks out there that are ineffective there. You can't wear them for more than 20 minutes without itching or them like just falling apart on you or your ears turning red. Um, So comfort and style are important. They're, they're the mandate of my brands. It it has to be comfortable and it has to be stylish for a baby. And now I'm talking to adults (laughs) about the same principles. Well, if it's silent, if it's comfortable for a baby, it's probably comfortable for a, a grown up, you know, at this point. So that that was the thing that so I I have not, um, you know, many people started working from home. Mike started working from home. I, I haven't. So I've worked this entire time. So when the mask thing happened and we switched over at work, I started wearing a mask sometimes between eight and 10 hours a day. And that's very different than I'm glad to do it. And I'm happy to do it. And it's the right thing to do, but it is very different to wear a mask all the time than to wear a mask to the grocery store for 30 minutes where like, you know, if it's uncomfortable, you'll deal with it. And I, I went through a bunch and some of the common problems you mentioned, some of them too tight around my ears and that would hurt. Some of them too close on my face and people couldn't hear what I was saying. And also it would get annoying. The, the one that um, that I got from you was so just 
soft around my face and gave me a little space around my mouth so I could talk and people could hear me without it being pressed against it. Um, I, I don't know. It was just, it instantly became my favorite. And I was so jazzed that when I sent you the note, you were like, yeah, sounds like a cool idea. Let's do it. Because I think it's so important that not only that, that people wear them, but I think one of the things is, is if you can make it comfortable for people to wear and stylish for people to wear, there's a more, there's more of a chance that they will, they will, f they won't do it. You know, there's a better chance that they'll do it if right. both those things are matched. Right. So yeah, we went through a lot of uh, research and development. And so all of my fabrics that I use are non-toxic and it's organic cotton because it's, I basically am using the same fabrics that I was making for bibs. So if it's safe for a baby, then it's safe for an adult, meaning the dye, the ink in, on the, on the printed mask is not going to, you know, get into your skin and, you know, cause cancer 10 years from now. Um, the, the gauze that the lining where the, the, uh, the filter pocket, I mean, it's organic cotton gauze. It doesn't get any softer than that. Um, I, I was really, really intentional about, keeping to my core principles of style and fashion, but also making sure that this is something that, like you said, people can wear during a work day, eight to 10 hour shift without feeling like they're, you know, being suffocated or worrying about what the long-term repercussions are going to be. Right. Do you think that it should be, cause I'm re I read your, the Inquirer article about you, which was cool. Um, but you said like you want, there's too many, baby clothes with like ducks on them and stuff. And like, that's bullshit. And do you think that because you want to stylish and cool, which I like stylish and cool. Great. But for like a two year old, isn't there a rite of passage level of it of like <laughs> my parents dressed me up like an idiot. And I have like, sort of like, you know, uh, what are those, the, this, like the shoes that you like the Vel like Velcro shoes and like dumb stuff that you look back and you're like, man, 1993 was weird. Like, don't you feel like you are, like, as much as I like stylish and cool, shouldn't you be like, and here's if you want to dress your kid like a lame idiot that he can present <laughs> you for, here's this option. Yeah, I'm not that parent. <laughs> okay. I feel like the, the most I'll let my kid do is pick out his shoes. Uh -huh. And he has, like, the same shoe in, like, five different colors. Mm -hmm. So he'll intentionally wear, go out of the house wearing mismatched shoes, but they're the same shoe. Um, or I'll let him wear his pants inside out, but I just, I don't know. He doesn't, he has options, mm -hmm. but I provide him with sure. the options. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want, no matter what he picks, it's, it's going to be cool with me. Right. Oh so, yeah. I'm, I'm, unfortunately I can't, I That's can't. Fair. I, guess <laughs> I, I guess I don't, I didn't even develop the idea of a sense of style until I was 20. And maybe if my parents <laughs> dressed me with less Velcro, Velcro pants, you know, break snap pants. Then we would have had something else. Bad, bad stuff. <laughs> so, uh, so I reached out to you and we talked, and I talked to Abby, who does all of our designs, and she, she, like, luckily, her art has like this softness and like, uh, I feel like joy to it and smile, and I was like make a bunch of things. So she made a basketball and she took our logo and she sort of uh, cartooned our logo up a little bit so it fit with everything else and a dog and a music note. <laughs> and uh, I sent you those and I was like, can we do this? And you sent me the print and that's what the masks are gonna be. So, um, the, the, so like, so the masks, they're fun, man. So you can go to our website, you can go to rightsrickysanchez.com or budababe.co. 
Yep.co. Buddhababe.co and go to the mass site. So the first the, the first awesome thing is that they are made, they're handmade with the same care that your your other masks are made and with the same softness and the same material. Um, we're also gonna donate one to chop for every one that we sell, like we do with your other masks, which are awesome. Um, also for the first time ever, there's a youth size and an adult size. How do people measure for that, by the way? Because I imagine people have small heads and a youth size um, would fit them, right? So, yeah, I think that um, in the beginning, it was pretty much trial and error. We got mm-hmm. a lot of feedback from men with um, beards that the adult size wasn't big enough. So we had to supersize it and make that an option. But what we found is that the measurements we came up with are pretty universal. Um, so an adult with a smaller head could potentially fit the youth size because it goes from ages seven to 12. Um, we took a, you know, a random sample of, of kids, those ages. So the, uh, the adult and youth size were kind of, um, not hard to, to nail down. It was the child and the extra large that were a little bit tricky, but for this particular mask, we don't have to worry about the tricky ones because we feel like we've got a good, a good wide base covered with the youth and the adult sizes. And if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you will see the mask because I will put the image on uh, after. And we're gonna make so it's really up to the people who are listening. We're gonna make 250 of them. If we sell those out, we will make more of them. Depends if we really sell them out. If we like sell them out, sell them out, we we'll make more of them. You but here's my check out uh, my Buddha babe on Instagram. It's a very solid Instagram presence. I'm impressed. Yeah, you do a good job on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Here's my question to you. Like, let's say we crush it, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's say we sell all the masks. I know you make kid pajamas, but would there be a world in which we could make one adult pajama with our, <laughs> with our shit on it? Because like, I would wear those pajamas. Yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. You might have better luck getting an adult bib out of me. I need that too. I need that too. That, that, that's not bad too. Um, all right. So there. By the time this goes up, we can put it up like right away, right after after you and I talk. Yeah, you want to see? You want me to put the mask on? Yeah, put it on. Holy shit! There it is. That's nice. Oh, there it is. Look yeah, at it. That's very nice. Rebel on the fucking mask and uh, I'm sorry for the cursing. Rebel on the mask and the logo and the music note and the basketball. Yep. And you can hear me, right? Very well. You sound exactly the same, honestly. And my lipstick is not getting on the mask. That's good. Yes. No, that room in front of the it lips really is really matters. See? Yeah. No lipstick. The the li- and there's a space for the filter as Don't well. Ooh. Yeah. That honestly I like that. at as somebody who wears a mask all day long, that space, one thing I think that people don't think about is that when you are the mask thing, what we do is we look at each other's mouths when we talk, even if we don't know it. So, so when you can't see that, the fact that their voice comes through clearly is even more important. And when your mask is pressed up against your mouth like that, it muffles it more. So that room around your mask is, I'm just telling you, as a person who wears one all day long and talks to people all day long, it's really important. I legit said to someone the other day that I feel like I need a hearing test. Maybe my hearing is going because I'm having the hardest time understanding people talking through masks. Yeah. It's muffled. I, I just can't hear it. I'm like, have I been reading lips all this time? 
And now that that capability is taken away, like, are my ears going bad? But I think you're right. I think that it's just the the stifling of the, the material being too close to your mouth. And, you know, maybe it's because this has a more open weave. Mm-hmm. Um, the sound is able to vibrate through better. I don't know, but it's a good thing and we're not going to mess with it. Well, that's awesome. Stick to what's working. Yeah. We are so excited to uh, partner with you. So if you go to the right, com, by the time this comes out, um, we'll put it right on the front page. We'll put it like right on the, like as soon as you go there, it'll be there. Um, or if you go to uh, buddhababe.co, uh, it'll be there as well. Thank you for, oh, wait, what were you going to say? It's either buddhababe.co or buddhababe.us, depending on how your redirecting goes. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Thank you for saying yes when I sent you the email. And uh, we're so happy to have these masks available. So, uh, and we'll talk about the pajamas. All right. <laughs> All right Tina. Thank you. Tina was the, uh, we've had so many delightful people during the uh, COVID off season. She's the first delightful person we've had in the, uh, the COVID season so far. I yeah. Think. Put me in a slightly better mood, but now looking at my notes that we still have to get to, I'm now married. <laughs> well, okay. Good thing. Tobias Harris was legitimately good, had a quick trigger, I th- was aggressive offensively. Yeah. I, I, I am hesitant. You know, I, I am a very guarded person. I am hesitant to say that I feel like he's implu- improved in these last four months, but it does feel like he's put work in. Yeah. And uh, the quick trigger was the most important thing to me to totally. see on three. But he was, he was good. Totally. It's a combination of a quick trigger when the ball swings to him and also being like physical enough to attack mismatches and stuff mm-hmm. and not just, I mean, he gets to his spots so easily. He doesn't, he's not like an intricate ball handler, right? He's not like a wizard at anything, but he's just so functional in wh- in how he can succeed. Um, and it always feels like he's the one to get the big, like settle down bucket. Like mm-hmm. when there's with like the stop the bleeding bucket. And so one time he had one, I think it was an N one. And then he, he like walked to the bench and, and high-fived Shake specifically first. And I was like, okay, he's involving Shake. Shake is a part of the team. He's cheering. This is still nice. Nobody's falling apart just yet. And so I think Tobias really takes the leadership role on right. And it helps that the fact that like he can get you a bucket and, and the idea of him being a, quick, a quicker trigger than he has been previously, where he has to do the Carmelo like stare down, look at your guy for a while thing. Um, it does seem like at least... In this first game, he felt like, I know what I'm doing here. I know how I can be the most effective. And he took a bunch of shots, but I think a lot of them were, like, off the offensive glass or just, like, you know, fighting fighting inside. He's, I, I thought he played overall a really good game. I, I'd agree with you. Look, everybody's game looks better when their shots go in. Yeah. I, and I know that sounds very uh, obvious to say, but everything feels better totally. when the shots go in. But... Um, yeah, I, I, I thought, look, it if we didn't have the offseason of Tobias, the leader Tobias to lead into this, I may just sort of brush it off as the shots went in. But it did feel like he, he worked and he was conscious of the fact, he scored 30 points, right? Um, conscious of the fact that he needed to score on the team. I think I would put less, um, less uh credence into it but I, yeah. I put some credence into it the frustrating thing is like the offense even though it looked bad so often and ben wasn't shooting and they were turning the ball over and sometimes like horford decided he couldn't even attack like tj lee for justin holiday inside the, 
they still scored a shit ton of points and ultimately did enough because they were they played enough bully ball getting the offensive glass. Mm-hmm. It was it was defensively that they just like and it wasn't just TJ Warren. Like they cannot totally fall off a cliff every single time Joel leaves the court. They can't. And they did again. Like And it, it can't just we we cannot continue to just blame whoever the defensive Whoever the replacement center right. is, and that's why we I just think can't. We that's can't. why I think it's on. It's on Brett. It's obviously yep. on Al, but mm-hmm. it should be on Ben to take more of a responsibility. It's on the guards to get a little bit, just stop the ball a little bit. It seems like so much, so often they can just get wherever they want, um, and they seem so confused by pick and roll. And maybe it's just like, hey, when Horford's on the court, let's just switch one through five. Let's just switch. Everything is an automatic switch, and maybe they're saving that for the playoffs. I don't. I really don't know, but like. When Joel's there, he can drop because he can cover both the the roll man and the ball handler at the same time. We talked to him a little bit about it on on the podcast that Joe came on. Um, Horford can't do that at this point in his career. He just can't. He either gets like lets up really easy like six foot floaters that they, he can't even contest, or it's an alley oop lob over his head. And so you just got to be able to like you watch Toronto and you can see how they like change the defense depending on the personnel and people just fit in seamlessly and it seems to just work. It seems to just like functionally work, and for the Sixers, for whatever reason, when Joel leaves the court, they everyone becomes a worse defender. No mm-hmm. one, n- no one can hang whatsoever. Um, and although Al took some shots and hit a couple of nice ones and whatever, it's just the the thing we need Al for when Joel is mainly the time when Joel is not on the court and he needs to just anchor the defense. And so Brett and Al and the guards that are stopping penetration need to come up with a plan to, that's better than the one they have because it hasn't changed all season long. It's 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 on Brett. I mean, like, I think by and large, it's on Brett. Yeah. You can't, you cannot have replacement center after replacement center after replacement center and then have fucking Al Horford, who obviously has not been as good as we had hoped or, or, or thought or as good as anyone said we were fucking right uh, before. Um, but But like, he is good enough He's the best backup center in probably in the league Should at be. this point, aside from Nerlens. Um, but like this is that is definitely a, a thing that is on Brett. It's just amazing to me that they can be so bad. Right. They, when st- he's and they stayed afloat for the Allen Allen uh, Joel minutes. Well, because which, Joel's on the floor. Because Joel's on the floor, exactly. And and offensively, they were doing enough. And Tobias was playing well enough where it's like they can sort of lift all those, all those boats. But it's mainly the issue with this team. Joel's going to be good enough, and offensively they're going to get out in transition enough to make some things happen. They have so- somewhat enough shooting. I don't think that the offense is going to be a problem. The defense needs to be a top three defense in the league. It just needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, can't be six. Six is not good enough. It's yeah. not because especially that means when Joel's on the court, they're one or two. And then when he's not, they're twenty-five. Yeah. Um, it just, Honestly, they they, they should be they, they should be the best in may, maybe not the best in the league statistically, but the, the the defense that everybody knows is the best in the league when it matters. Yeah, and they have they ha- shown they have that they be. can do that when they put on the pressure at the end and they use the length and swallow people up and physicality and all that. You have to do it more than that, though. It has to. You're right, and then yeah. I think you know Matisse didn't play well. They called him for some crappy fouls, but he's just got to be able to. He's got to be able to stay on the floor and not just foul every time he contests a shot. And so, yes, the refs have been calling too much ticky tack shit, but like he's got to be able to adjust because if he's, 
you know, he really impacts the game on the defensive end. And if, if they're just going to the line, it's just a parade to the line because we're just like fouling every time. It's just, it's untenable. Uh, I wanted to get to uh, mailbag. Um, do you want to say one nice thing about Jakar? At least are we happy to see Jakar and TJ thrive? Dude, it's fucking awesome. All right? Like, look, if, if I can have, first of all, if I can have any player make the chemistry of the Sixers spiral into negativity, the fact that it is positive chemistry, TJ, who caused the, uh, the Joel and Matisse problem is hilarious to okay. me. I love it. Uh, shake, yeah, the 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 Joel and Shake he's thing. He's never had a problem with anybody. Okay. No, right, 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 right. Um, it look TJ and Jakar on the same fucking team beating the shit out of us. It's kind of cool. <laughs> on some level, it's kind of level cool. on, on yeah. a deep level. Uh, yes, absolutely. It's good. To, it's good to see Jakar in the league playing all fucking. We played him a point guard, and here he is guarding. He, he's a one through five guy. Yeah. Well, here is guarding MB. God bless. Uh, um, we never. Did you listen to Brittany Howard, Jamie? We never reviewed yeah. it. Okay. So before we get to Lawrence O'Brien Mailbag, Carl Landry Record Club, uh, Brittany Howard's Jamie, which was suggested by Ricky listener <clears throat> Alexandra. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing the, uh, what's it called? Vocal fry thing. Um, uh, Brittany Howard, lead singer and guitar player of Alabama Shakes, who I saw one time at the um, Connor Barwin show. Connor mm-hmm. Barwin concert. I think it was when I met Amos, and I did not like them. Um, but this album is cool. So she's the lead singer and guitar player of Alabama Shakes, first solo record. Um, the song History Repeats was nominated for two Grammy Awards, including Best Rock Song. To me, it reminded me of Prince. It reminded me of D'Angelo in a lot of spots. It reminded me of Amos. It reminded me of that album, uh, Maggot Brain, from Funkadelic. Uh, I thought it was really good. I listened to the first song the first time, and I said, I'm not going to like this. And then I listened to the whole record, and I got really into it. Yeah, I've seen Alabama Shakes before. I think they're pretty good. I think she's cool. Um, I dug it. I, 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 uh, I, really, I love D'Angelo. D'Angelo's one of my favorites. Um, mm-hmm. So that's high praise. Um, I felt, I, yeah. I thought it was good. I thought it was. Um, she's got a cool voice, has cool stuff to say. I never know what to say here, guys. Come well, on. W- w- one thing I would say is when I say reminds me of, doesn't mean, definitely doesn't mean as good as. I think this is a really interesting thing where generally musicians do not like when you compare them to other musicians. Kind of nobody does. Nobody does. But when you're trying to explain it to somebody who's never heard it, it's almost the absolute best way to describe it because there's almost no other way to describe music other than to say what it reminds you of. Right. So I don't think it rips Prince or D'Angelo or Funkadelic off at all, but that is the sort of world in which it sits, in which it's this soulful, uh, cool thing that has a lot of rock elements to it. Yeah. Um, the songs I like best were History Repeats, which is the one that was uh, nominated for the Grammy, Stay High, and 13th, 13th Century Metal. But it's a cool album, and it's definitely worth listening to. And I like it better than Alabama Shakes, actually. So. Mm. Um, Lorenzo Brown Mailbag. You can send us emails at rightsrickysanchez at gmail.com. They will be our respite from talking about 
the Sixers for the next little while. It, it's amazing how much the Oklahoma City pick matters. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it, to say like it matters very much. I first of all, I really do want the sixth seed. I want to play Boston in the first round. I want it. I need it. Let's well, we're going to get it, buddy, because now, basically, we're two games behind Indiana. Yeah, they're one game behind Indiana, and they have the tiebreaker. Yeah, so functionally, um, too. Right. Yeah. And so Oklahoma City right now is tied for Houston with the 21st or 22nd pick. Mm-hmm. And so they are, Oklahoma City is a game and a half up on Indiana um, to stay out of the protected zone. And so they just got to keep winning. I love watching that Oklahoma City team, man. Chris Paul is playing great they're- with Joy. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is uh, excellent. Dennis Schroeder's figured it out. Gallinari is inexplicably, I mean, I guess not inexplicably, but like really good. He's been good his whole career. Yeah. Yeah. They're a fun team to watch and and root for. Our Thunder. There's so many fun teams to watch besides this. I know. And how disappointing it would be for the league at large if every all these fun teams go fucking down because the Sixers just decided to like punch people. Be good. Yeah. Yeah, Just decided to be good. Be good for six weeks, right? This comes from John. Hello, Ricky crew. I told my non-NBA following friend who was texting me about the Indiana game that I may decide to play solo boggle if the game is predictably a predictably bad Sixers outing. I average somewhere between 21 words per round, which is not bad considering beer. I realize I'm preaching to the choir, but the Sixers game this season have been unwatchable. I was glad that the season had been suspended simply because the it was the easy out provided for Philadelphia. Right. No pride was lost with the suspension of the season. The sideline skirmish between Embiid and Shake was super disheartening. This team is simply not there despite the bubble fishing golf vlogging hype. Boggle was very satisfying, and the beer may have prevented any loss of pride, even if the words blurred into, he put something with four S's. Two questions. One, will, how can this team realize that they have an unpredictable timeline based on the fragility of players' contract and cap space. They play with zero urgency or chemistry, except for Tobias, who I don't dislike, who, but I really don't care about as a player. So do you think, people talk about urgency all the time. Do you think it's a thing with them? Do you think that their lack of understanding about how fragile this particular version of the team is uh, plays a part or should play a part in how they treat the season. Um, as in, like the 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 players in the team, or I think everybody's everything. I think everybody's approaching this with a sense of urgency. I don't think, think so? people. I don't think people. I don't think Brett is like fucking whatever. Right. I don't think Joe and Joe and Ben are like we're gonna have everything's cool and coasting. I think every everybody really wants to win, especially you know now Tobias wants to prove that he's a max level player. And, you know, he's, you know, he's set up here for the next five or whatever years. So he is invested here. I think everybody wants to win, like 100%. Um, no one's, even though they think like, yeah, we can be dangerous as a six seed. No one's like, I, I hope that we lose more games so that people forget about us. Like they, they know that they should be better than they are. And I think the front office right now don't, doesn't have anything to do aside from start to plan out what the next steps are. Whether that's with Brett or with the, with you know finding ways to move, Horford or Richardson, mm-hmm. um, so I think I think everybody knows like and, and to some extent maybe that's why the team has been so constantly shifting around Embiid because they know because of that panic. It's yeah, it's it's halfway between panic and knowing like this could all end. And Embiid has been 
you know, a regular basketball player for for a while now. Like they 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 hold him out sometimes, but they hold Kawhi out. Like you can look at Kawhi and see like his knees are not gonna hold up, um, and they have to just limit his uh, his wear and tear because they they know that there's a, there's a clock on that. So you can do that and have success and, and, and long term eyes on the long term. Embiid, because he's a center and, and, and missed two years of his career, I think has a bigger target on his back for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he's a regular center at this I, th- I think he's a regular player at this point that needs to be, you know, watched watched as an injury concern, but not not like babied or, or worried that like one thing is gonna send him out for the rest of his career. I think he's a he's he's proven that he's his body can hold up over over the course of a season, there's been the, the the reasons that he's missed playoff time has been freakish accidents, whether it's gastroenteritis or getting elbowed in the face by or getting shouldered in the face by Marco Fault. So, as much as the conditioning is a problem, that's a problem that like plenty of players have. That's not oh he's injury prone, you know. Yep. Um, and the the non basketball question: What is a good or productive strategy that you'd recommend for Sixers fans to employ during predictably bad games? Boggle actually worked for me. It's simple and task-oriented and allows fans to return or retreat from the game pretty much at will. I would not recommend anything highly creative like the visual arts, music, or writing. The thought of the Sixers' performance would totally fuck up that task of hand, at hand. Um, and I think social media is a bad idea at that point. I mean, is reading a book, that way you can peek up and peek back down, is that a good sort of... I don't think there's. I don't think there's an answer. I think if you're if the, if the game is on, you will be frustrated by it. Otherwise, yeah. turn the game off. Do something else. Watch can, the wins. I you know look. Yeah. I I've always said you should only watch the wins. Um, sometimes the wins are bad. Like if they won that game last night, I don't think it should have counted. Um, <laughs> but if you want to watch the wins, there's no shame in that. Uh, and he says, stay safe. We have a Barker Jr. in our future because my daughter worked us into a pandemic dog that I will have to walk, being a cat person, of course. Uh, but he is, uh, thanks for all you do. I really look forward to the podcast. It does improve my life. You hit a unique nerve with solid compassion, understanding of the fan base, and a great sense of humor and admirable ambition. Wow, look at that. Um, Speaking of admirable ambition, final sponsor of the pod, Mr. Ambition himself, L.L. Pavorsky of L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers. So you read that email we got from number one. We can't say it because the, pro, the proposal hasn't happened yet. From number 187. Is that the nicest fucking email you ever got? We get a lot of those. We get a lot of very nice, legitimately nice emails from Lee or about Lee. But about Lee. From Lee. Just getting new Gmail accounts left and right. <laughs> we got a great email from number 187. I believe we are up to 188. 188, writes Ricky Sanchez listeners who have purchased engagement rings from LL. Um, we if haven't you're, gotten if a... You're for 200, I think you should be able to... You should be able to get engaged to two different spouses. Wow. As a, as a treat. That's, that's a interesting... Just two different the, spouses. should have the option. Well, you... Well, if we're talking about the law, I would assume you can be engaged to as many people as you want. That's you just right. can't marry them. That's fine. Right. Um... Yeah, I, I did marry one couple. There aren't weddings happening right now. I would do it again. I'd do it for number 200 if you want to. Um, there was actually, I can't talk about it on the pod. I will say for number 100, there was a very interesting connection between number 100 and the engagement ring that I bought, I would say, that I cannot say out loud. But um, 
a very interesting connection. Anyway, we get these emails about how LL treats uh, our listeners, and they're always awesome. Um, he he is still around, survived um, or has survived so far. Pandemic. Um, there's you can buy the the jewel the the jewel the uh, the ring from LL in any way, and it doesn't have to be engagement ring, but engagement ring. You can do it in person by appointment. You could do it uh, over video chat. You can call them. You can email them. 215-627-2252. Email is lee at llpavorsky.com. And the uh, store is at 707 Walnut. He's there trying to help you and bully you into sending us a nice email. Um, and donate to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center for every pod. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Uh, he doesn't need a mask for your love, but wear one anyway. Here, this is from Jeff. This isn't a question. It's just a good note. Thought you guys might enjoy this. I'm taking an online college cl- class during the pandemic. I have a lot of free time. I'm taking the business communication class, and my assignment is to pretend I'm the VP of a Fortune 500 company, and I need to draft an email outlining a problem to my boss and identify a solution. I'm using Burnergate as my inspiration. Sure. A high-ranking employee had several fake social media accounts and was using them to disparage other employees within the company. We are hiring, quote, a law firm that specializes in this kind of thing to investigate. The employee's spouse is the one that made the post, but the employee has agreed to resign. Well, we don't know that. They they say to write what you know, and I did that. Love the pod. Um, This comes from PJ. Basketball question. Can you rank the main Eastern Conference opponents, Bucks, Heat's, Heat, Celtics, Raptors, in terms of which playoff series victory would mean the most emotionally to you? Let's cast aside seeding and playoff implications. Who do you want to beat the most? Boston. Boston, over the Heat? Totally. Over the Raptors? Totally. The Raptors are good. The Raptors are legitimately good, and they're, you know, without Kawhi, it doesn't feel like they're, like they're the same team, but they're impossible to root against, I think. They're just so good, and it's a impressive story that they're that they're like coming that they just play so well together can, can we put in a context they 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 won the championship lost their best player who's arguably the best player in the league he's yep. in that conversation yeah the next year they have a better record they have the best or second best defense in the league what the fuck they yep. didn't replace him with anyone it's the same fucking players totally kyle lowry's very good Siakam's very good. I love OG Ananobi. Always have. I love Van Vliet. Van Vliet's good. Gasol just fucking anchoring shit. Terrence what the Davis fuck? Is a good undrafted player that the they just got for free. Um, good teams do good shit. And I agree with they're, you. They're Celtics well and they are well GM'd. Something that we are not. The Celtics, I believe, would be the best. I would love the Heat as well. Beating Jimmy would be. Good. Totally. I I guess. I guess like. I just against, don't care about Heat fans. Against Miami, against Toronto, or or Boston, or Milwaukee, the Sixers would be so clearly not the favorite, right? Um, maybe it'd be close with Boston, but I think I think they would just say like there's clearly the better team won won way more games in the regular season. Against Miami, everyone would expect the Sixers to win, and so it would be more if they lose. How much of a you know knife in the throat would that be from Jimmy? So I, I, I would rather be the underdogs against Boston and just you know kick their asses out of the bubble. Um, and the non-basketball question: You casually teased 
that there's a shocking secret ban of a person. That's juicy. Can you tell us anything about this? Does the person know? Was it a Mike or Spike banning? They don't know. They don't know. And it was a me banning. I'm in full support. Yeah, I was going to say but that you support. Yeah. I wonder if there's anything else that no. can be said. No, no, no. <laughs> it would be such a controversy. No, don't say it. What I would say, don't say this it. is no, no, no. Just I'll cut this out if you think it's inappropriate. <laughs> what I would say is, it, it would be so controversial that my own father is banned, and that would seem way less controversial right. than this is. We you broke know? the ban, the the Howard Eskin ban for Father's Day, right? A gesture and the, of the, goodwill. The pandemic, right? Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, no. It seems I'm surprised that more people don't haven't put it together. Oh, I don't think there's no hints. Okay. It just seems like it seems obvious to me, but maybe it's obvious because I I know. Yeah, no one knows any of the story. I like. This person deserved to be fucking banned. And the final question. I, no, no, I mean, seriously, fuck this person. Fuck this person. Fuck this person. Um, all right, last question. You can either have a mailbag question from Sean or a jigsaw from PJ. Uh, let's go jigsaw. Okay. Love that Joel did the jigsaw, by the way. By the way, we haven't even talked about it, really. Just... Uh, you mentioned on Twitter and have mentioned it, the jo- and we've gotten lots of great compliments uh, from Dave Hartley, who has been on the pod. Um, uh, Amos loved it. Uh, Philippi te- uh, let me know that the he loved. Everybody loved the Joel thing, but you've mentioned a bunch of times the YouTube. You can see him smiling when he can't answer, and it does it does add like a level of charm i think to the pod the youtube does yeah he was right great. he was way better than i thought it, i thought it would be giving us you know short answers the way he generally talks to the press that he's not like you know super interested in talking to but i mean we asked him the we didn't ask him about like the bullshit we wanted to know the fun shit and like the like the butt and and going back and forth of like how long you know we've been we've we've rode for this dude for so long and he knows yeah he knows we've been there so i i think i'm glad that he 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 gave us he gave us good Joel. Yeah, he didn't. He knew. I, th- I I think he knew. And I give you credit. Like you will always ask the questions that I am a little scared of asking because I'm afraid of the text message I'm gonna get. But you nobody has my number. Yeah, you you working in a Burnergate Markel, but leading with why do you pick your underwear out of your butthole? Yeah. Um, was just it was strong. It 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 really it loosened him up. I just wanted to make sure we got it in in case yeah. things <laughs> fell apart. I needed to know. All right, here is the jigsaw from PJ. Option one: for the rest of your life, you must wear roller skates everywhere you go. You're allowed to take them off for showers and to sleep at night, but they are otherwise always on your feet. Option two: for the rest of your life, you must watch the movie Pirates of the Caribbean. 141 minutes from start to finish every single day. You cannot multitask, talk to anyone, or nap. You must give the movie your full attention. No bathroom breaks. Um, so as a high school kid, I loved Pirates of the Caribbean. Loved hmm. it. Genuinely loved it. Um, hmm. 
even went so far as a you know, dark time in my life, but even went so far as to dress up with friends to go see the second Pirates of the Caribbean at midnight uh, at the Neshaminy Mall, um, dressed up like a pirate, I guess. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's who I was <laughs> in the past. That's what it was like. Um, now, you know, knowing Johnny Depp is an absolute monster that is, you know, tougher to swallow, but I may, yeah, it's not, not great. I don't want to have to wear roller. I'm not, I'm also not great yeah. on blades or skates on wheels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm very, um, all of the agility that I have is totally sapped when you put me on anything other than my feet on the ground. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not a, like, I don't surf, I don't snowboard, skiing. I don't ski, yeah. I've never, right. you know, I'm bad at riding a bike, I'm bad at all this stuff, not for me. Um, keep, me keep me on the ground, regular feet. Um, so I, I would probably go just wake up and watch Pirates every day. What a fresh start to the day yeah. I would do. It's fucking three hours, two hours and 20 minutes of your life every day that is now dedicated. But then, but so much of my day would be, you know, on blades, like, you know, yeah. cleaning up all my scars and my blood. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I don't think it's a little too quirky, the rolling, the roller skates. It's like, if you were the guy that always wore like a karate kid headband, you could be like the karate kid headband guy. Well, you can't be, right. you can't be the roller skates guy. Z Zainab sent me a, a Mike Scott headband. So I do wear that sometimes. <laughs> so uh, that'd be fine. All right. We will. Uh, we have some guests on Wednesday, right? We have yeah. Special guests on Wednesday, so we have uh, like some guests on Wednesday night. We'll be talking about Sixers play Monday, and when do they play again after that? Uh, do you know? I believe they play. No, they play. Uh, sorry, checking. They have Monday against the Spurs, and then Wednesday afternoon against the Wizards. Oh, okay. So we'll be able, we'll have another game in there. Well, two games and we to talk about. And if they don't yeah. win both of them, then the sky is absolutely falling. Yeah, we'll just text, get, get Yang. Get, <laughs> get Yang. Yang. Quick, get Yang. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, buy the fucking mask. It's great. 250 of them. If we, if we go through them quick, we'll do more. And I'll, I'll talk to Tina about some adult PJs. Uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah. <laughs> you know, look nice. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Time for playing 